the other day I was reading a book and I got to thinking, now bear with me, this may be a little odd, but I got to wondering, who teaches a bird how to build a nest? I know, I know it's dumb, right? No, but think about this because it applies to your life and you doing what you're meant to do. I want to explore this topic. Who teaches a bird how to build a nest? Who teaches a beaver how to build a dam? Who teaches a dog how to dig a cave to have puppies in? I want to talk about this and how it relates to your life. Bear with me. I know it seems a little odd. No, I've not, not been doing anything weird today. I just got to pondering about this, and I think you're going to love this, all right? We're going to talk about it in today's episode. I'm Desmond, and this is your Mental Mastery Monday. This podcast is about success for failures. Failures like me, who grew up in a world that valued conformity over creativity. People like me who have been made to feel like failures in the corporate structured world of education and the cubicle littered world of business. This podcast is a misfits guide to discovering, pursuing, and achieving our infinite creative purpose. So welcome home. Let's change the world around us by changing the world within us. I didn't realize there were so many types of bird nests until I started to research for this episode. Oh, my gosh. There are so many different types. And that's going to play into what we talk about today. Who teaches a bird how to build a nest? All right. And how does that relate to your life? Before I do that, man, I have a special episode an interview I'm going to be doing that's going to teach us all so much. I'm interviewing a friend of mine who happens to be the uh, chief operating officer at a recovery center, and we're going to be talking about addiction, identifying it, what enabling is like, and what recovery is like, what coming uh, becoming aware of the fact that you have a problem is like. So if you have anybody who's dealing with this in their family, August 1st, on August 1st, I'm going to publish an episode of Mental Mastery Mondays, of course, that's a Monday, that I've never done before. An interview in-depth. I'm going to be talking to my friend Tom Conrad from Rock Recovery Center. So much insight. And here's the thing. Even if you don't know anybody who's in recovery or you're not dealing with this in your family or in your life, there is so much we can learn in life in all of the hurdles and the struggles and the triumphs that we have in life, uh, that that you're going to get a lot out of this special extended episode on August 1st. So if you haven't uh, reached out and following me on Facebook yet, you should do that. It's facebook.com slash P. Desmond Adams. Pretty much everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, pdesmondadams.com. You can go pretty much anywhere slash P. Desmond Adams, and you'll find me, all right? So no matter where you go, search for P. Desmond Adams on Twitter, Facebook, wherever, and that's me, and then we'll connect so that you don't miss this, all right? August 1st is when it's going to happen, so just a few weeks away, packed full of great information. All right, let's dig into this. So I'm on a flight to Podcast Movement this last week, and um sitting there, and I decide to start reading a book. It's called The Four Pillars of Success by James Allen. He wrote The Magic of Thinking Big. That, 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 I'll give him credit because he got me thinking about this. And he talked about birds building nests and how birds just inherently know 
how to build a nest. There's no nest building school that you go to when you're a little baby bird and you know you graduate into you know advanced nest building. You build a nest because that's what birds do. There's it's instinctive. Just like who teaches an apple tree to produce apples. It's in its DNA. It's in its system. That's what it does. But going back to the bird, because it's more intentional, I think we can relate to it a little bit more. If you've ever thought about, and you probably haven't because I hadn't, but if you ever think about a bird, where it might build its nest. Now, for a lot of just the typical bird nest that you might see, the old Tweety bird kind of thing, you know, the, the whatever, you know, the, the, the round bowl bird nest, they're always built on the little Y on the branches and, and never really thought about that. But that's for the most stable part of the tree. It's up high uh, where birds are, are can get to it because they're flying, right? Okay. And then also it's less likely to be, um, gotten to by predators. But but how does that bird know it needs to be up high? How does that bird know it needs to be built in that Y on those branches? How does that bird know that it needs to be to, uh, shaped aerodynamically so that it will withstand wind blowing over and around it without blowing it off of the branches? How does it know that? It doesn't get a book. It's not handed some some manual, bird building, nest building manual. If you and I were trying to do that, we probably couldn't construct one as well as a bird could without studying some sort of engineering concepts, right? But these birds do it naturally. And there's here's the thing to think about, and I'm going to relate this back to your life. Don't give up on me yet, okay? This is coming back around. There's different types of nests depending on what type of bird it is. There's nests that hang from a tree and they, they attach it to the to a branch and they build extra branches around it and it becomes this like a giant but a bird nest water droplet kind of shape. There's that kind. There's there's bird nests made out of mud that, that you might find built somewhere like a wasp's nest kind of a mud dauber kind of thing. Um, there's all kinds of bird nests. There's nests that are in the ground. Some birds know to dig holes in the ground to provide exactly the kind of environment that's going to be conducive to successfully hatching the babies. But it comes naturally. Here's where this relates to you. You have something you are meant to do, and it's in you and it naturally wants to come out. It naturally wants to happen. It's something that you're designed to do. It's instinctive within you. Maybe it's dance. Maybe it's when you feel music, you just feel like you should be moving along with it and you should be dancing. Maybe it's acting. Maybe you want to perform. Maybe you want to do something in front of others that will brighten their day or make them become more introspective. Maybe it's writing. Maybe you find that you're always journaling or you always want to express yourself in the written form. It could be artwork. It could be math. Maybe you just love doing math. Or maybe you have a child who wants to take apart everything in the house and find out what makes it work. Maybe that's what's instinctive. But here's what happens in our life. Somebody comes along and says, oh, you'll never make any money at that. And money is the holy grail in our society, unfortunately. So we abandon what comes naturally. We no longer want to make nests because nobody's going to make any money building nests. What do you want to build a nest for? But that's what you have instinctively within you, a nest. In fact, it may be a specific type of 
whatever, in the case of a bird, a specific type of nests. Not everybody's supposed to design the same nest. Sometimes our environment produces a situation where a different type of nest might be better for the situation. But we're not aware of those facts because we're shaped by outside influences. Imagine if you took a bird that's supposed to build a nest high up in a tree and you put it in a box down at the ground or in a, in a cage down at the ground. The bird would never be able to reach its potential because it's supposed to build a nest at the top of a tree. Maybe a bald, you ever see the bald eagle nest? They're like way up high. If you took a bald eagle and you chained it to the ground, it would never get up to the heights that it's supposed to be. And it would never know what it's instinctively meant to do because you, an outside force, have chained it down. And I believe that's what happens to us too many times in life. We get chained to the expectations that others put on us. Oftentimes that happens in the school system. And Sir Ken Robinson explores this uh, on a TED Talk. You can I'll put it in the show notes, uh, but you can Google Sir Ken Robinson TED Talk Creativity. Just do a search or, or just look in the show notes on on this uh, episode and I'll, I'll link to it, okay? But Ken, Sir Ken Robinson does a great job of looking at whether our schools kill creativity. And, and I believe it, it oftentimes is the case. You got to remember our schools are designed to produce incredibly efficient workers for our factories, right? During the industrial age, we started the current school structure. And it was designed by industrialists in order to provide them with incredibly skilled factory workers. Now, you may not instinctively be designed for factory work, but because you're growing up in an environment where that's what's expected of you, that's what you're trying to do. And you're facing failure and you're facing mediocrity because you're not really in it and you're grudgingly waking up on Monday morning to go do what you thought you had to do because that's what the school system taught you. And I love teachers. My dad was a teacher. Don't get me wrong, okay? I just think it's in, it's instinctive. It's it's built into our institutions of education. And so I, I just not a dig at that. I just hope we want to we want to start rethinking how education happens so that we start to value the arts so that we start start to value creativity so that it's less about us sitting in rows and columns and, you know, columns and rows and this perfect little grid in the classroom. Maybe the chairs are supposed to be spread out a little bit different and everything doesn't have to be linear. And your expectation is not to take six credits worth of math. Maybe you only need one to do what you're meant to do. Now, we got to learn the fundamentals. I'm not against that. We have to learn that. But so often it's instilled in us that if you want to be successful in life, if you want to have a successful career, then you need to do X or you need to be Y. And it's killing what's inside of us and we're struggling our entire lives. I'll give you an example for me. When I was younger, I did magic tricks when I was six years old. I just wanted to perform in front of family and friends. I had stage fright and I didn't believe in myself and I was a little kid, a little freak. I looked like a little uh, Ron Howard, if you know the, the Hollywood guy, Ron Howard. I was, I was Opie, right? Or Richie Cunningham kind of thing. I was a little freckle faced guy and, uh, I just, I just didn't seem like I was meant to be looked at, you know, like that, like on a stage. I wasn't meant to be a performer, but that's what, that's what was inside of me. I would perform magic for family, for friends that would come over. My mom and dad would say, hey, show them the trick that you do with the thing, you know, with the card and yada, yada. And I would show them and kind of bashful and I didn't really believe in myself. But that's what I was supposed to do. 
And then I got into Vent- – I saved up $15, and from the Sears catalog, I ordered a ventriloquist doll, right? And we call them ventriloquist dummies because we're guys, and we don't want to admit that we played with the doll. But <laughs> I learned how to juggle, right? Only got up to juggling three – at one time, I got to four balls, and and I, I just loved doing that. When we would go to Balboa Park in San Diego, my mom and dad would want to go to the museums with me. I wanted to see the street performers, and I would watch the guys on the unicycles juggling. They would make everybody laugh, and they'd perform, and they had their little patter. Now, most people didn't realize that it was the same jokes over and over again, but I would sit there on this wall or on this little area, and I would watch them do show after show after show for hours and hours on a Saturday afternoon in Balboa Park. And I watched the magicians perform. And eventually they got to know who I was. And, you know, I talked to them and I'd ask them questions and all this. And then I started to learn magic myself again and performing. But I just didn't think I was ever as good as them. So I didn't do it. So as a as a kid in high school, I was getting into some trouble with some drugs. And school wasn't really important to me. Again, I was a performer. So doing English really well wasn't important to me. Doing math really well didn't really matter in my mind because I was a performer. Instead, if I could make everybody in the classroom laugh, that was better than an A. Again, a performer. And so – uh, my dad, being the smart, wise man that he is, he suggested strongly uh, that I join the Navy. In fact, he came home one day and said, the Navy recruiter will be calling you in 15 minutes. So at 18, I graduated high school. I turned 18 two days later. And two days after that, I went into the Navy and went to Orlando, Florida in the Navy. And I had a Navy career, quote unquote. Four years of that structure and that inability to really perform like I love doing because they didn't find it as funny when I made jokes in the Navy. So um, and then I got out and I had to get a job. I was getting married and get a job. And so on and on and on. And I would listen. I would work. I worked in a factory making semiconductor materials and I would listen to the guys on the radio in the morning. Oh, I was so sad when 10 o'clock would come around. The morning show was over. And I was just like, oh, now it's just dumb music because <laughs> I wanted to listen to the performers because that's what was inside of me. That was my nest. That was the kind of nest I was meant to build. And so I listened to the morning shows and I would laugh and they'd make me cry sometimes and they'd make me think sometimes. And we'd have a good time together for four hours from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. every weekday morning. And the weekends weren't as fun. I'd turn on the radio. It wasn't as fun. I loved watching vaudeville on TV. And I grew up again in the 70s, graduated high school in the mid 80s. But they'd have old old replays of vaudeville stuff or I'd, I'd watch different kind of sketch shows and stuff. And I thought it was just so great. But I was told by people who loved and cared about me that you need to go get a good job. And I didn't know anybody who was a magician or a juggler or anything who was making really good money. So I did what I was supposed to do. I got a good job and I worked at the factory and I listened to the radio. And then I finally said, I can do that. And I ventured out and I started working radio part time. And then when I sold my house in California, moved to Washington State, I had some extra cash. And so I, I decided after some time, after a couple of years, that I'm going to venture into radio. And I reached out and I ended up getting into radio. I took a 50% pay cut to get out of the engineering world for a giant semiconductor manufacturer. And I 50% pay cut and I went to radio. And I thought, oh my gosh, I don't have enough money to last me very long to make up that 50%. And so I started doing real estate. And that wasn't very effective because I was tired and didn't really have an interest in it. But I, what ended up happening was, listen to this, okay? When you do what you're supposed to do, 
I started off just an off-air producer, and next thing you know, within a short amount of time, I'm, I'm on the air, and I'm being funny, and we're doing goofy, fun stuff, and the guys on the show, Dave and Ken in Washington, Spokane, and, and they're laughing, and we're having a good time, and then, oh my gosh, they love having me there, and I don't say that to brag, I was just doing, I was just, it's like applauding a bird's nest, right? That's what birds do. That's what I do. I just perform. And so uh, and then they said, well, we got to give this guy a raise to keep him on. And so they gave me a raise after the first year. And then shortly after that, they said, you know, we really want him to really be in on this. So they gave me bonuses based on ratings. So I started getting ratings bonuses. Within two years, I had doubled my income from radio and I was back to making what I was making as an engineer. And it seemed effortless. Long hours, early mornings. Yes, but I was doing what I loved. I was building my nest I was building my nest, and it happened for me, and it seemed effortless. And now I'm doing podcasting, and I love this because I get to perform, and not not as much in the zany. I'd love to someday do a fun, just a fun, goofy podcast, but right now I love influencing people and, and sharing my stories because I hope it inspires you to build your nest. You are meant to do something, and you don't need a manual in order to do it. Now, yes, you need to refine, and yes, I studied radio. I studied how to communicate effectively, and you may be questioning that at this point, but I did, and I had top flight, the very best coaches. Coaches, uh, Ryan Seacrest, talent coach, was my talent coach. Um, uh, uh, Adam Carolla, his coach, my coach. Um, Jimmy Kimmel, his coach, was my coach, my talent coach. His name's Randy Lane. He's the best in the industry. Talk to anybody in radio. He's the best. And so I did learn I learned how to refine it, but just like a dancer has to learn the intricacies and the fineness of the movements and all that stuff, but it's inside of them, and you can perfect it, and you can make it even better, and and birds learn how to build better nests when, when they don't do something right, and a nest falls or an egg falls out or something. They, they understand that they need to improve on that, and I believe that's just the nature of our universe that we improve on that, but you've got a nest You've got your nest. You've got your something inside of you, and it's effortless, and it's wanting to come out of you. It's wanting to speak out, and it may not be something creative. You may love mathematically figuring out why something is true. That may just happen for you. You may want to take apart the TV and figure out the circuit boards and figure out all the capacitors and all the stuff that's on there that was of no interest to me. But it's of tremendous interest to you. You may love working with animals, but you've got something and it's fighting to come out of you. And society and the industrial systems that we have in place today have squashed that and pressed it down and tried to compress you into what they think is best for their business. And you may be a perfect match, but for too many people that I know, they're trying to dig a hole when they should be up on the highest branch building a nest or they're trying to climb up a tree to build a nest when they should be digging a hole because that's the kind of nest or kind of place they need to build. So I want to encourage you today to think about what it is for you. What is it that's crying out? Don't ask yourself, can I make a living at it? Well, you get to that even if you just did it for fun, but think about it. And most likely because we are a community of people, this is going to be something that's not self-serving. 
It's going to be something that's of service to others. I've had friends of mine trying to help them figure out what their purpose is and what they're supposed to be doing. And I was like, what would you do if money was no object? Play golf all day. Well, okay. What would you do that's of service to others <laughs> that, that, that you would do if money was no object? And like, oh, hmm, I don't know. So think about that in that regard. Maybe that's the way you need to think about it. And I even suggested maybe you should teach golf. Maybe you should work as a pro, a golf pro. Maybe you should become a professional. Oh, I'm too old to be a professional. Maybe go on the seniors tour. No, those guys are. So we have all these reasons why we're not doing it. So being a golfer could be of service to others. If people enjoy watching you, you get so good that they enjoy watching you. Or you could teach people how to do it. But figure out what it is that's inside of you that wants to come out. That's of service to others. And you will know that you found the equivalent of your nest. All right, I'm Desmond. I hope this helps you. And remember, August 1st, a very special episode of Mental Mastery Monday. It's going to be a longer podcast. I'm going to do my first ever interview with Tom Conrad. He went through recovery. Now he works at a treatment facility. Uh, Just a fascinating journey to find out the hurdles we all deal with in life, whether we're in recovery or not, the mental struggles, the processes we go through in life, trying to do what we don't think we're capable of doing, and how we maybe cover up some of the pains in our life. We're going to explore all that August 1st, a very special episode of Mental Mastery Monday. So make sure you connect with me on Facebook, facebook.com slash pdesmondadams. Like the page, and I will promise you, I will give you access to this special episode and all of the episodes leading up to it because we're going to have great topics over the next couple of weeks as well. Think about that. Think about what your nest looks like. What is it? It's inside of you. Nobody needs to teach it to you. It's just dying to come out. All right. I thank you so much. As always, I love and appreciate you. And I hope that your reach always extends beyond your grasp. 